Okay, we're live. Welcome to the Tom Bigby Tales. I'm Shannon Evans, your host, and I'm here today with Jake Phillips of The Cultured Bumpkin, and I'm really honored and uh, excited to have him here on the show. Jake, welcome. What are you, what are you Thank up you. to, man? I appreciate that. Well, um, you know, I'm always up to something or other. Uh, love your podcast. Of course, I guess no one's been a listener very long you've only been on the air four or five months but uh, i i love your podcast so well, i'm thank you. really happy to be here today thank you so how long have you been doing this well you the uh, cultured bumpkin cultured bumpkin i started in december of 2018 it was my wow. first episode yeah uh-huh. or maybe november but it was it was uh winter or, or close to winter of 2018. And have you consistently like weekly or did you have a pattern or did you, or were you just testing the waters when you first started this? When I first started, I sort of tested the waters. So my goal for the culture bumpkin was to sort of make little known writing, good writing accessible. So, you know, I couldn't find, let's say a lot of Mark Twain short stories who I really like Mark Twain. Um, so I was like, well, I'll just read them, you know, I'll read them and post them for people that are like me. So that's kind of how it started. Um, and so, um, and I do more mainstream stuff, uh, public domain, but Uh more, more, you know, I'll do poetry and stuff or, you know, something that people would definitely have heard of, but I kind of started doing like journalism in Tennessee by Mark Twain, which is kind of, yeah, not many people have heard of that one, but that's a real funny one. Um, have you done any of roughing it? No, I have not. Oh my gosh. I still think that's some of his funniest writing, especially when he ended up in Utah and he was like, <laughs> they blindfolded him to go up to the silver mines. And uh, he was talking about the women who were, um, they were widowed and these, these miners had taken on these widows because they back at that point, Utah still allowed plural marriages. And so he he's writing about the fact that they blindfolded him to take him up to these silver mines because they didn't want him to know where they were. So he's like, okay, fine, blindfolding. He gets up there and, you know, all the miners have come in out of the mines and they're sitting at these long trestle tables and the women are all bustling around. He looks around and he goes, you know, that was some of the homeliest women he'd ever seen in his life. And he said, you know, these fellows had really done mankind the kindest gesture by taking those women off the hands <laughs> of the rest, the rest of humanity and taking on these women and marrying them. <laughs> Anyways, he, he, yet he does it in his typical tongue in cheek, you know, right. I Mark Twain style. I have not done that one or, or any parts of it. And I, well, the parts about when he writes about riding with the pony express is hilarious. Cause he talks about how sore he is. Cause he's not been a, right. of course the pony express riders are like what? 14, 15, 16 year old. I and mean, they were young kids. So anyways, yeah. I think you might enjoy those. I, I need to, I need to check those out. Cause he's just, he, he was such a prolific writer. Yeah. It would take a long time. I mean, you could do a podcast just of his work, but I think in answer to the question, a long way around the cow shed there, but uh, I shoot for once a week now. Mm-hmm. So for the, for a long time, it was kind of like, I'll do, I'll do three or four. And then I peter out for a month or two or six. And then, <laughs> so, uh, 
yeah, I'm, I'm in 2024. I definitely want uh, once a week uh, in some thing. So, well, I know your story, but tell my listeners how you got started. Okay. Well, um, <clears throat> let's see. I started in voice acting because for those that don't know, I'm a voice actor by trade. Like I'm, I'm not a full-time podcaster. I'm, I make my living by being a voice actor. I do commercials and audiobooks and things like that, but I do podcasting because I enjoy it and, um, and, and YouTube as well. So, um, I guess, uh, my first time, my first 2008, I was in the army mm-hmm. and the guy and my platoon sergeant, I had a very thick Southern accent at the time. And I thought, no, I, really? I, no, I, <laughs> the, the, uh, I just thought you were just born. I didn't know you could change the way that you talked. Yeah. I knew that some actors did it, but I wasn't an actor. So you, you couldn't change. And, um, just born this way. And, and my, my, platoon sergeant we were about to go to iraq and he was like you you, you gotta learn to talk because we can't hear you we, we can't understand you and if you're doing that on the radio we're all gonna get killed you know you gotta learn to talk man and so i, I thought man so i started trying to enunciate better and it and it worked i started to i, I get asked a lot where am where am i from in, in mississippi <laughs> and uh so fast forward a few years that was that helped me sort of lose the southern accent when i needed to to do more mid-regional type of of stuff but i started recording um after my dad died in 2013 because my daughter was born around the same time and i wanted some recordings of myself for her okay. so that's kind of why i started my youtube it's kind of a dumping ground at first i would just put stuff up and then later on i started a podcast but kind of the same reason, but I, I wanted to pass along a love of good literature to, um, my, my daughter. So like my dad did to me and he didn't record it. He just read it live, but I wanted, you know, that YouTube wasn't around when, when he was passing that along to me. So I thought that's what I'll do. Interesting. So I've heard a couple of things that you've actually co-recorded with your children, right? Um, I don't know if you put anything of that. I mean, we're friends, so I see it amongst your Facebook. I don't know if you've published any of that elsewhere, like on YouTube or anything, because the cartoons one, the most right. recent one you did with your daughter is just righteously hilarious. Um, and, and her intonation and everything, is she's spot on brilliant. I appreciate um, that. Yeah. What has been some of your famous, your favorite co-recordings with your kids? So for those that, uh, to, to, uh, clarify what, what Shannon was saying, uh, for those that don't know, w- my daughter and I like to take Disney scenes and then, um, dub over them. Right. So I'll be, yeah. I'll be, you know, from the aristocrat aristocats. I'm, I'm one of the, I'm the little basset hound by Jim Lindsay voiced, you know, Hey, Napoleon, you know, that guy. And then, um, uh, my daughter was the the bigger guy that Pat, the, the dog that Pat Buttram, you know, mm-hmm. that, that fellow that talked through his nose, you know, I'm the leader. I'll say when it was that guy. Yeah. Um, so we we uh, we like to do those. I think one of my favorites was from 
uh, what was the movie? Um, if, it's more new. It has uh, Hugh Jackman and Zach Galifianakis. Uh, it was about the like a Bigfoot, but I, but that's not the name of it. Anyway, one of the reasons for it because Hugh Jackman and I played him. You know his character. You know, and we're just yeah. dubbing over. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, um, she she was the Bigfoot played by Zach Galifianakis, who and she was hilarious. And then I was. I was the explorer that found her. But one of the reasons why, in, in addition to it, just it's fun to do that with her. And she's so fun. A person I, I posted on Instagram or something. And a person that was on that team, like the creative team, was like this. I was on the team that put this together. She was in the graphics or something. And she said, this is this is wonderful. I love this. I love oh, that's know, that, awesome. that that so I, I suppose that's my favorite. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Right here in, on the Tombigbee River in Columbus, Mississippi. That's right. We're, we're talking to famous people and we're <laughs> doing famous things. Um, I know you really focus on the classics and certain classic short stories and things that are in um, the public domain. Why not sci-fi or Zane Grey, Westerns? You know, why, uh, why did you pick the classics? Well, I like the classics and they're well-written, you know, if it's, you know, there's, there's been um, non-well-written classics, but generally the reason why they're classic is because they were written really well and there's no, you know, copyrights on it anymore. Mm -hmm. So I, um, some things like, let's say uh, Tolkien, all of his stuff has been re-copyrighted by mm -hmm. the Tolkien estate. So you, you know, if, if, um, I mean, I could probably do it now, but let's say if, if something if I recorded an audio book on my own, sort of a pirated version and posted it, they could say, hey, you, you have to take that down. Yeah. And I don't want to I don't want to risk that. Um, so I do do non-public domain, but only if I have um, or mostly if, if I have permission from the author uh -huh. or, or the publisher, unless it's something like, you know, I, I do things from maybe the 30s or 40s from time to time. I'm like, eh, James Thurber, maybe I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll see what, how this goes. Walter Mitty. <laughs> exactly. <clears throat> well, uh, you, you know, when you do Jules Verne, let me know, okay? Okay, okay. Because I'm, a, I was a Jules Verne junkie as a kid. That was okay. I love Jules Verne. Like Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea was a was a early kind of an early book that I read that was like, this is so good. Yeah, Journey to the Center of the Earth was was also great. So, right. And it, it's kind of written. It's not short stories, but the way it's in the collection. Right. It's kind of like reading Gulliver's Travels, where that's you know in in sections. Anyways, right? So yeah, cool. I look forward to that. Um, what I, I you've said you do voiceovers professionally, right? And you do books. You you do audiobooks. Mm -hmm. What type of audiobooks do you do? You have a specific genre or not really? Um, so usually I'll work with you know publishers or authors. And a lot of them are earlier stuff that I don't like. I feel like I'm better now. And so I don't like some of my earlier stuff, but I've done uh, history. I've done a, a, um, you know, a romance or two. I've done a, a sci-fi or two. I've done a fantasy or two. You know, it's just, I, I have a wide range of stuff that I, that I enjoy doing. Can you say some of the things or is it, or is it like you're, you're not allowed to say that you're the voice on those? No, there's nothing that I'm not allowed to, but I would probably, a lot of them have been so long and there's nothing big, nothing like, oh, you're in, you know, whatever. Yeah, the toilet club or whatever. Yeah. Right. I would, I would have to look 
um, I would have to kind of go look and say, okay, okay, here, here's what it is. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, put me on the spot on that so one. So how did you get started in voiceovers and especially in audiobooks? That fascinates me. I had a friend who did that in Seattle. And yeah. um, it, she just fascinated me in how she would find, how she'd get approached. Well, you can do it a lot of different ways. Um, and I have, I have done it all from, uh, and this is something anybody could do. If you have, if you can create good sound, have a good sound set up, a decent mic, you can go to acx.com and it's the, it's uh, owned by Audible or Amazon, I guess. And um, it's it basically puts narrators, producers, authors all in the same message board and you can audition for stuff on acx.com. Anybody that, that thinks that sounds interesting ought to check it out. So I've done stuff from there. I've also emailed people like, Hey, you know, here's this book that hasn't been, I noticed on Amazon. It, it hasn't been an audiobook. I would love to do that because I'm an audiobook narrator and they'll say, Oh, okay, well let's, you know, we can work something out. Um, also on social media, you know, I posted some stuff on social media and I've had authors reach out and say, you know, Hey, you know, I liked your stuff on TikTok or do you, do you do this professionally? And, you know, and then I can work with them like that. So I, I have a multi pronged approach to getting work. Interesting. So are, are you unionized? Like, I'm not, no. So what I do, um, and I don't think audiobooks were under the, the strike, um, anyway, I, I, I want to say, um, and I, I reason I say I'm not sure is because I'm not union, but I, I want to say that the like audiobooks were not under that screen actors strike, um, type of a thing, even though there were some AI issues that they were sort of, you know, bones of contention that heavily affect narrators. I don't think, um, I don't think that was part of it. Wow. That's really interesting. Um, you've done some voiceovers like advertisements right? or advertisements as some people call them. Right. Over across the pond. Yeah. The, uh, um, what, uh, what are some of your ones that you're most proud of and what are some of the ones that have been the most interesting? Well, a lot of the ones that are the most, I don't know. It, it just depends. A lot of the time it's what is on the screen because as a voice actor, um, you know, a lot of the time, especially if you're an, if, okay, so if it's a A-list actor, okay, we're going to hire James Earl Jones to narrate this. Obviously, it's recognizable, but you want people to know, it's James Earl Jones, we got to yeah. do this. If you're an unknown, like myself, you your voice is to set the stage. It's not, oh, who is that voice actor? It ought to, it ought to thrill and exhilarate you, but you don't know why. And it turns out it's that a voice actor is doing a great job, but it's like uh, you don't want to be the spotlight. You're you're enhancing all the stuff on the screen, basically. So um, there was a lot of short film type things that I, I really like. I was in a um, it was Errol Flynn in um, in uh, a, a movie that premiered at the, the Cannes, uh, Cannes Film Festival, Cannes Film Festival uh, last year. So that was cool. Um, um, there is a. A, a British snack food called a turkey Twizzler. And uh, I did a, an advertisement for them, which was fun that aired in, in um, <clears throat> it was kind of in the news and the Daily Mail and stuff. And it was all over the newspapers over there. 
um, back when they sort of it came back because it had been banned by uh, Jamie Oliver for a, or he helped ban it for a long time. Anyway, um, there's an Italian piano maker that I really like that one because it's it's like shot like a short film, mm-hmm. but it's it's a handcrafted uh, type of a uh, thing. I, I I really like that one. Um, I don't know. I've done I've done thousands so it'd be hard to narrow it down really thousands yeah i mean i i this is what i do full time so i so how long does it take you to to record like a 30 second spot i mean i know it takes more than 30 seconds it depends on what it is so if it's somebody that i've worked with many times before i already know the tone you know the projection you know because some people they want it like we want it to be intimate and heartfelt and so you're going to want to be more you know, your, your voice is going to be down low and it feels more, you know, close and like I'm confiding in you. Whereas if you're doing a fireworks stand, which right now at New Year's, I have, there's these, it's called Jake's Fireworks, funnily enough. Uh, <laughs> and they're all over the United States. Uh-huh. Like, you know, I'm going to turn down my mic way down and be like, Jake's Fireworks, get to me. You know, and it's like totally, it's totally different. Um, so, um, it depends if I've worked with them before. So, if so it's now a, how do you find those gigs? I mean, I'm on all kinds of stuff. I have a website. Uh, you know, I have my, um, uh, what do you call it? My, my demos and my reels on, you know, different sites. I have it on YouTube. I'll post. I don't, I try not to wear out people that, that follow me on let's say Facebook friends, uh-huh. but from time to time I'll say, Hey, I just did, I just made this new reel of stuff I've been in, in the last year or so. So, you know, if you know anybody and, and I always get business from that, people are always reposting and they'll say, Hey, you know, my friend's a creative director at this company and I'll get a cool. message from them. Like, Hey, I'll keep you on our roster. And so it, it's, I'm kind of mercenary with how I do it, but uh, I mean, I think anybody could do it. It's not, I'm not a special snowflake or anything. Anybody that that put forth the effort that I have could could do it. Well, now have you? I mean, I know you said you had to learn how to speak right for the military. <laughs> yeah. What voice training have you done? Um, voice training with a voiceover coach. I've never had any voiceover coach training. I've had um, screen actor coaching, like that type of coaching, and then um, stage acting. And mm-hmm. then um, and then I do a lot of st- uh, stuff with more j- acting coaches in general. But, you know, and I apply it to voice acting, but I've never I've never gone to a voice actor coach uh, per se. But you can also learn tons of stuff. I've learned tons of stuff from YouTube. You know, just like in a lot of ways. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, there's so many master yeah. You can listen to Serene McKellen or Michael Caine talk at length about, yeah. you know, you know. Well, I mean, I've learned about podcasting. That, right. that was kind of was like between just talking to you over a, I don't know, I think I was having a soda water or something, and yeah, you know, we were down at Munson's, and I was like, okay, how does this work, and how does this work? Right, right. And that's and then the, that's going the to YouTube and you you give me a nugget and I'd go off and here we are a handful of downloads later and we're, we're all coasting along. Right. So if somebody wanted you to uh, 
to to see a reel who was looking for a voiceover voiceover actor is it the same location as your um narration yes i i on my um my website jakephillips.us um is i've got a commercial and a narration demo mm -hmm. and then i need to put audiobook and character there's some other ones i need to put on there but that those are the two uh that that people can listen to or if you're just curious like what is it what is what does a commercial sound like um and then i've got my contact info on those types of places as well well i'm really surprised by like how many uh how many people in the um publishing sector follow my podcast which is right. kind of surprising because it's small town stuff so to speak right um i hope i mean it'd be kind of cool if you said hey <laughs> you know after after being on your podcast so and so reached out to me that would be kind of cool that would be cool yeah. I, I i hope that happens because you know i only want the best for my friends here well i appreciate that so i'm gonna put my glasses on because i gotta read my questions but you know because i <laughs> gotta be the nerd um What's your favorite? I, I I think I've heard one of the ones you did. Like, was it Monday Night Football? Sunday Night Football? Sun, yeah, yeah, Sunday Night Football. I like that one. That was that was amazing. I was like, I heard that. Oh my god, yeah. I know that guy. The uh, that was a fun one. Um, How yeah. long ago was that one? That was uh, September two thousand nineteen. Oh wow, was that one. And because they. Sunday night football does it every week as a different regional sort mm -hmm. of uh, narrator, sometimes celebrity, sometimes not. I like how they do it. It's not always a celebrity. I you like know, that. It's it. not the same person all the time. So, you know, right. mm -hmm. you don't get tired of it. Right. And it, it always adds like a, a regional feel to it, which is what they're looking for. And this was between the Cowboys and the saints. So they're, you know, they're definitely going to go Southern on that one. Yeah. And, um, so so let's bring this back to the tom bigby because you know everything's about me i, right. I mean about my podcast i mean whoops uh, <laughs> okay that was self-serving but um seriously we're both from live in this area you live on one side of the river i live right. on the other we're in the same county and i was born on your side in the hospital over there so really at gtr right uh so um what what keeps you here or what drew you back or all or both yeah well great question my uh i'm from a large family and my dad had cancer passed away in 2013 so i was i was uh you know in the army and then i was up in tennessee working with my my in-laws uh, my my father-in-law has an uh, hvac business up there i was working for him and but when my dad died i had i think my youngest brother was uh, six at the time. Oh, wow. Like me, I mean, biological, like real yeah, yeah. brother, um, Just your baby brother, baby brother. And then, um, yeah. And so I, I felt the need to, to move back and we've, um, he's actually graduating next year. So I don't know, maybe, maybe things will change. Like, you know, maybe I'll move. I don't know, but I think that that's what brought us back is kind of like to try and be a father figure for a, a dad that left too soon. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of what brought us back. So, so, and you live on, do you live on a full-size farm? Or are you on a gentleman's farm, shall we say? Well, 
<clears throat> gentleman's farm. It's not a, a, we have, you know, chickens and a little garden and stuff. Um, okay. But uh, yeah, it's not, it's not like a working farm, like a bringing not in a dairy or a cotton. Not, not a, not a dairy, a cotton or a beef farm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's such a great experience for your kids. It really is. I, I like the fact that they can, um, you know, go out in the back and shoot the baby guns and, you know, feed the chickens and, uh, you know, build forts in the woods and things like that. Mm-hmm. So they're having the idyllic childhood. Is that how your childhood was? It was. I was very similar. I grew up in Tibby, uh-huh. but, um, you know, um, but it would very much, you know, go out back and build a fort in the woods and, you know, mom will Don't step come in until it's dark. Right. Around <laughs> dark, mom will step out on the back porch and holler and, and I'll, you know, oh, got to go. So, um, yeah. So how, so how old were you when you left in the Army? Were you in the Army, correct? That's right. I, I went into, uh, I went to Mississippi State on an, R, an Army ROTC scholarship. So I would have been 20. Uh, two or three when I moved off, but I, but I did go to state first. So I, um, you know, got my commission or I did my training, got my degree commissioned and then sort of moved off. Uh, so yeah, 22, something like that. Uh, we're all too young when we leave, I tell you. Yeah. So what is your connection to the land and the river? Because it all, I mean, for some reason, I don't care if you're from downtown Columbus or you're from the other end of Knoxby County or you're from Clay County and Tibby, the river's got a draw to all of us and it's always got a story. What's your story? Well, I grew up on the Tibby Creek. So the, the property that I grew up on and we rented from our landlord, but they were like our, our grandparents, you know, our adopted grandparents. They were very, very close to them. Um, but their property is basically on two sides. The boundary is the creek. So the 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 Tibby Creek was something that I was always um, looking at, thinking about, you know, the creek's up. You know, now there's water down the bottom. We'll get our little P-Row or our little rowboat or canoe and go down there and, and paddle around. And the Tibby Creek empties into the Tom Big Bay. Um, and um, if you get get in a canoe and go down the Tom or go down the Tibby from where I was, uh, it winds around. I think I want to say it's I mean, it's it's many miles <laughs> to the mm-hmm. Rock and Dam, but it's a fun little day float trip. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so uh, to go you know, whether we went out to eat or, um, you know, looking at Christmas lights around Christmas, we'd come to Columbus and we'd cross the the bridge, the 82 bridge over the time, baby. So it's always been uh, in my, you know, it just sort of took it for granted being right there. It's always uh, when, when the, when the river's up, I'll know it because it comes up in the backyard, basically. Yeah. You always had to keep an eye to the river. Yeah. Always, whether it was too high, too low. You know, if it was summertime, it was too low and you had to watch for the snakes that came up out of the river exactly. looking for something to eat or just to harass me or or going turtle hunting down there. And That's right. Um, some of my greatest memories as a kid in the Mississippi bottom right off the Tom Bigby is when 
it's, it's usually this time of year it's rained a lot between now and you know march so it's usually chilly mm-hmm. uh and it would rain a lot the bottom land would uh you know flood and we'd get in a canoe or a boat of some kind and just paddle through the woods i always thought that mm-hmm. was really that was a lot of fun to me well there's more gators up the tibby now than there were when we were kids probably yeah um i mean that's something we've really seen um did you <laughs> now i'm gonna really test your redneck ability um <laughs> did you ever go chicken necking for turtles when you were a kid chicken we, what is that you, tie, so you don't use a hook because you don't want to hurt them because you gotta let right, them right. go right right you take a chicken neck you lay it out in the sun or you just let it get stinky right and then you, you tie it onto some monofilament on your fishing pole usually i mean we just use an old cane pole but you could use a, a, a fly, you know a casting rod if you wanted um but you hang it out and you catch a turtle Inch- i've never done it like that and i mean the tur- I have you catch to- the turtles yeah. and you slowly have to reel them in and then you right. have to yeah, then you have to then you have to get them to let go Right. And, some, and and those big old snapping turtles. I mean, we we were a couple of times. We pulled in some that were you know bending the pole and gonna you know cause a problem. And we were right. hoping it would drop off before it gets because <laughs> those alligators, those alligator snapping turtles are pretty ferocious. They really are. Yeah. So uh, I mean, we had one grab onto the pole and it just snapped the pole into. I'm like going, <laughs> those are those are dinosaurs. Those are little they, dinosaurs. They really are. <clears throat> they really are. We used to catch gar on the tom bigby right i've seen a i've never caught one but i've seen other people and i've seen the skeleton or two along yeah. the bank and they are they are prehistoric so when you were a kid did you ever grow up picking up fossils and fossilized um arrowheads and things like that on on the river yes um we would uh i think we had a friend we didn't have a boat but we had a friend who had a boat mm-hmm. and we would go put in down on the i guess the west side over over by the railroad bridge over mm-hmm. there um a little south of the 82 bridge and anytime we would go down there we would always look you know for shells and rocks and anything uh you know my mother was certain that i was going to sink my end of the house because i was always bringing home uh petrified wood oh, nice. and i didn't bring home the little i mean i'm bringing home you know like, <laughs> so yeah my mother swore that that side was, and when I kept jars of um, mayonnaise jars um, full of uh, mason jars full of um, of uh, fossilized uh, shark's teeth. There were a lot of those. Okay, okay yeah. Especially over there by the um, Plymouth Bluff. Right. Okay, I've heard that. Yeah, Plymouth, and you, and it's still a good place. I mean, it's clay. You're going to get filthy, so make sure you take a bucket to put your boots in afterwards because that and right. that stuff will never come off your boots right that's the other thing people don't understand um about the char- nature and the character of that land it's the black belt prairie so it's prairie clay and prairie grass and the grass is whipsaw i mean it cu- it'll cut you and it's you know it's, it's right. serious grasslands um this white grows great uh cotton and great cattle but the clay it, it, if it's wet out, you pick up some and then the, and then the next time you pick your foot up, you've got twice as much and, and it never washes off your, your shoes or your clothes. It's, right. It'll, it's like a dye. It's like playing and dye. Just about. Yeah. It's like concrete. Uh, it's, <laughs> just, it's, it's there. <laughs> 
Well, what's next for the Cultured Bumpkin? Well, I've been, um, this year I've started putting it, I've started, I've started it as a, um, a YouTube thing. So that way, what I'll do is I'll record it live with the guest um, or just read by myself, read a story, and it'll go up on the Cultured Bumpkin on, on YouTube. And then I'll take the audio and, and put it on Apple or Spotify, wherever, wherever I have been in the past doing it. And that way it kind of, you know, there's a, you hit different audiences, but sometimes, and I'm this way, you know, if there's a, a person that I like to listen to, I kind of like to watch him read. Like I enjoy um, like watching Jeremy Irons read the four quartets mm-hmm. by T.S. Eliot. That is a pleasure to watch him Really? Not just listen. It, it's it's I don't know. It's like you can pick up something about the attitude about what's being read. And then if it's, let's say, a comedy and they're doing voices, that can be fun to watch, too. Yeah, as yeah. Your face changes. Right. But but even if it's something like reading poetry, I really like uh, to listen to um, to that. So, you know, different people are would rather just listen. And that's fine. I, I kind of have it for for both. But yeah, 2024, it'll be a, a lot more on. Uh, YouTube. Um, so what would you want someone to, to know who was starting out and didn't, and didn't know how to, to do all this and, and it's also overwhelming and what's the simplest thing? What do you think is the simplest thing that they could do to get started and to just focus on what their, what, whatever their goal is in podcasting. Yeah. I think that if you have a, a goal, um, like let's say, even if it's monetary, like I want to be full time, you know, this is all I do is do a podcast. I think that's totally fine, but your driving force, I think needs to be your love of what you're doing. So you might want to be a podcaster full time. That's great, but make the podcast about something you actually like. And it could be very niche. It could be Lord of the Rings trivia. I mean, it could be, I mean, it could be anything. Um, if you try to please everybody, you're going to please almost nobody. Mm-hmm. So, so pick something that you like and make stuff that you would listen to. And maybe that you can't find anywhere else. Like in my case, I wanted to hear, um, you know, Mark Twain or, you know, the Canadian version who came along a few years later, Stephen Leacock, hilarious mm-hmm. dude. Um, but I couldn't find those. And so I thought, well, I'll do them. Um, and so, you know, meet, maybe meet a need that, that you, uh, be the podcast that you would listen to that you can't find basically. Um, so but find also, a niche and stick to it. Right. And, and, and then don't worry about spending a lot of money. Everybody has got a smartphone or, or something. And, uh, with technology being what it is, you probably, you probably already have all the tools you need to get started. Well, you know, the last time you and I spoke on your podcast, um, we used, I I had to use telephone because for some reason we were having technical difficulties because it's Mississippi and, and, you know, it's our internet providers (laughs) and that worked. I mean, and it, I, I couldn't tell a difference. I thought the sound quality was quite good. Yeah, it was. This this time I'm on my computer and, you know, I, I didn't even hook up my big mic. I might regret that, but it sounds great. 
I th I think this this Mac that I'm using has great sound quality. Uh, I haven't I haven't seen where using my mic and I have a big expensive you know blah 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 mic spit proof and all that good stuff. It has a spit screen and I, I can't I, I can't tell the difference in the sound quality. Yeah. Um, but then again, I'm not a voiceover actor, and so. <laughs> well, most of the time, the things that you have are going to be. It'll be good for 99% of the stuff you do. Mm -hmm. If someone is uh, taking it, compressing the file and like blowing it up and, and mm -hmm. you know, stretching it basically to, to uh, put on some sort of Dolby surround sound, then that's a problem. Other than mm -hmm. that, uh, most stuff's going to be just fine because most people listen through their earbuds yeah. or, or even the car speakers. But other than that, I mean, it, it's going to be okay if, for, for people starting out. I think a lot of people never with great ideas never get started because they they don't you know they sort of overthink it uh -huh. just they do it just go um so what are you reading now in your what what's on your table right now that you're reading and recording well um what i'm jane austen uh pride and prejudice uh -huh. by jane austen i'm i'm almost done with that on my youtube live and then um jane Eyre. I've started that. What I'm reading, not uh, just for pleasure, uh, uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. I just, I've been Ooh. reading it, finished it today. Excellent. Um, yeah. And um, I've read, I've been reading a lot about, uh, you know, Native American history this past year. I've sort of, each year I sort of pick a, a sort of a, um, you know, historical era to read about to so the last Last bit, it's been about Native American history. You probably couldn't guess what era I'm cut. I'm stuck on. I don't know what is it. Civil War right now, oh, but it's, it's mostly one. Reconstruction. I'm 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 more fascinated by Reconstruction, and one of the books I'm reading right now is about John T. Wilder. I had to see the had to look at the title of the book. It and it's actually written by a local, semi-local. It's a it's an academic who whose family is from here, and he grew up here for a bit. But John T. Wilder was a uh, a union officer mm. and he he wanted post reconstruction to reunite and bring it because so many of the of the southern generals were actually brilliant minds like uh, Stephen D. Lee and his uh, creating the uh, agriculture and mechanical college where you went to school. Right, right. And he uh, was a huge advocate of um, of industrial training in high schools so that there was another means so that not, you know, get kids to, to go to school longer, keep them there. But they would learn a trade by the time they left right. because it was, you know, post-Civil War. And, and he was really not all of his ideas were good and some of them were, you know, um, a bit misogynistic and a few other things. Um, and, but he was a man of his time, but right. it was still uh, cutting edge in some of the, it became some of the more modern practices in farming and, mm. and agricultural education. But the biggest thing was the idea of, of, uh, of having uh, an engineering school. Right. And that was uh, that was a major piece of of his 
gift to education. And so this John T. Wilder was was fostering relationships with these men like Lee and others who were in, you know, around the South. But specifically, what I'm looking at in this book is some of some of the ones I've been writing about and, and reading about who survived the Civil War and what became of them. Because it's kind of curious to me, like, what's what's the song in uh, White Christmas? What do you do with 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 the old soldier? You right. Know? Yeah. They got to have something to do. Otherwise, they create more rebellions and stuff. So, yeah, it, it's fascinating. Yeah. What, what do you do with a general when he stops being a general? That's <laughs> one. I love that movie. Anyways, I'm a sap. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, I, I'm curious. Uh, what is? What do you want your legacy to be? I'm gonna. I'm gonna just throw that out there. When all is said and done, what do you want your legacy to be? Well, I I want to be remembered for somebody that was, uh, you know, a good family man. He was uh, like honest, like what you, if you, you know, if you met that guy and then you heard about him and asked other people later, like it's the same guy. He's not two facing anybody. If you like him or not, either way, he's going to be that way when the doors are closed, you know, in the back alley, just like mm -hmm. out on the street or going to church or whatever, it's the same guy. That's what I want to be. Um, on the, on the art scene, you know, I want to be, uh, the thing about YouTube is that, you know, long after I am dead and gone, I can still be performing Mark Twain for the next generation. I think Makes that's, happy. you know, could you um, throw in some Faulkner while you're at it, please? Just, you know, I will have to look into that because he's a lot of his stuff is still not public domain. I, th I think his collection of short stories are. But he does have some early stuff that mm -hmm. is pre-1924. Yeah, those that. are that's the collect I think it's spotted horse stories, I think is what that okay. collection is called. Yeah. As I'll long as as long as his relatives haven't re-upped the copyright. <clears throat> and I think I th want to say I've looked into that and I think and, it's only his novels that have been re-upped. I don't okay. Think, <laughs> and I um, think that's because he sold the copyright to those. Interesting. Yeah, okay. he was he, he was a starving Marvin. Right. Uh, I'm getting ready to do a podcast on uh, his connection to Columbus. Okay. He I stole a girl from here. Really? Oh yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> I can't wait. You know where Franklin Square is? Um, is you that know where a, Franklin School is. Yes. You know the house, the red brick house that's right there on the corner to the side of Franklin School. If you were headed down Ac toward Burns across Park. the Fifth Street. Yeah. Okay. That big red brick building is called Franklin Square. Okay. Okay. It's connected to that house. Interesting. All right. Yeah. I, I look forward to that. Yeah. So that'll be a that'll 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 be coming up. So because I've I've got a real dark episode I've got to record and. I'm dragging my heels on that. Um, and then I'm going to, then I'm going to go move to something interesting and not so, um, not so dark. Right. Okay. You know, get away from the horrors of humanity kind of thing for a day or right. two. But I, yes. And to answer to that question, I will do Faulkner. Yes. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll find something that's fair game and I'll go, I'll go for it. Well, I just think, cause he's Mississippi. You know? right. right. So true. And is any wealthy? Any of her or any of her short stories? I want to say she's another one right on the edge. Uh, but I but I'll have to too, double check too. And she has family that I know. 
I think Petrified Man is out in the public domain now. Okay. The other thing that it is really interesting is some of um, the one act, I think they're one act plays that uh, Tennessee Williams did. Yes. And I think they're now, because they're, I think they're 1916. Okay. 1916, 1918. Um, they might be interesting. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out. You do what you, I mean, you do. No, you, that's but. great. Cause I do want to, you know, I love, I love to, I mean, cause those are classics to anybody, but also with a connection to know, Mississippi. Like, like, exactly. I mean, Tennessee, we're born in the same town. So, you know, why no not? kidding. So huh. have you ever heard of Charles Henry Ford? Charles Henry Ford. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, that's one of those names that sounds okay, so, so Charles Henry Ford was a poet. He, his father came to Columbus. They were from like Laurel or Meridian or someplace like that. Okay. But his, or Mendenhall. I mean, it's somewhere like not connected to Columbus. But his dad came to manage one of the hotels here. And there was a rest, fine restaurant in the hotel. And Charles Henry Ford grew up living in the hotel, as they did. And his family had a little apartment in there and he worked in the, in the, um, in the restaurant area. And he put together a poetry publication called the blues book, I think. Interesting. And he, um, he would um, collect, he would get poets. He would, you know, people would, would submit work. And this is a young guy. He's like 20, yeah. 21 at the time, maybe. And I could be wrong in the age, but I know he's really young because he leaves and goes to New York shortly afterwards. There's a sh very few publications of this blue book or the blues book, I think is what it's called. It had a blue cover. Ole Miss has some copies of it in their archive. Um, but, uh, oh, shoot. He has some significant poets who who submitted work and were published. Really? In it. Okay. And this is like 19, this is during the early part of the depression. It was like 28, 29. This is okay. really early. And, uh, but he was from, he lived here and then he left and went to New York city and his sister was up there. I think that's right. And they would have these salons with very famous Southern artists, Southern writers and poets. And um, Tennessee Williams, I guess, was one of his guests. And, you know, there were some others. Um, I, I can't remember. I, I want to say I've even read Truman Capote, you know, wandered through a time or two. And okay. it was very avant-garde. And they were considered very scandalous here. Right. But not there. You know, not in New York City. It was perfect New York City. It was maybe on Park Avenue. I'm not sure exactly. Um but he's a fascinating character who's from Columbus. Who knew? Interesting. And no, I, I don't know. I'm glad you said that. I'm going to look. Yeah, and one of the one of the poets who whom he published was Ezra Pound. Really? Yeah. And this was in a local publication. I've always thought, wouldn't it be cool to resurrect a publication here called the Blues Book, or maybe we could call it the Brown Book now? I don't know. It's yeah, Brown Dirty cool. River, but you know. I, I just thought it was fascinating because these were even then Pound was a very respected poet. Right. So, you know, these were blue, you know, blue bloods of literature in this, in these publications. That is fascinating. And they came out that. of this hotel. 
Which one was it? Where was it? I think it was the Gilmer, but I'm not sure. I'd have to go back and do my research. It might have been the one that's the Alexandria, which was a very another fab another fabulous hotel, um, the Grand Grand Dame of the city. Okay. I don't know. I, I really don't remember. Um, I have a friend who did a whole bunch of research on it, who was a, doing his thesis in undergraduate and. And that was how I found out about this guy. And then I started reading about him and I want to do a podcast on him. I just haven't gotten that far yet. Okay. We'll let you know what I do. I, definitely. I, that's fascinating. But I, I just think, you know, we have such a rich literary history here. Really do. So. And, and yeah, with, with things like you're doing what I'm doing, a lot of the times you can sort of make it accessible to someone that didn't go looking for it. You know. Hopefully. Yeah. Anyways, I don't want to keep you forever because I know you have work to do tonight and uh, I need to go write this other um, episode up for my next podcast. But uh, I'd far rather talk to you and find out more about what you're up to. And uh, I hope you'll come back. And for if, you sure. got some, uh, if you got an exciting project coming up, even if it's just for, a, you know, a 10 minute, stick your head in update us on what you're doing. Uh, this is, this is exactly what the Tom Bigby tales is about. The The tale doesn't have to be salacious and uh, right. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a murder. Right. <laughs> Although as my father always said, don't let a good murder get in the way of a good story. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, I appreciate it. And this has been fun. And as always, uh, this is Jake Phillips with The Cultured Bumpkin, and I'm Shannon Evans with The Tom Bigby Tales. And we look forward to sharing with you again on our next episodes. Good night. All right. And end 